Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. If you haven't listened to part one of managerial guilt, it might be a good idea to do that because I go over why some managers, new and veterans, have managerial guilt. Basically, it is all about feeling that you're not quite up to the job, but you're trying your hardest, but you feel like you should know what you're doing. So part one was all about giving you what I would do on my first day, what I would do heading into an office that I knew needed some fixing and hopefully laid out a roadmap for some of you. Did have really good feedback, so I think that did work. But today, I'm going to go over more of the tactical part of managerial guilt and banishing it. I'm worried about managers who internalize it, take it home, and can't seem to get rid of it. What I wanted to do was give you some frameworks. I wanted to give you some timelines so that you could take this knowledge that I'm giving you and, you know, sift through it. Some of it may not apply, But the ones that do apply, I wanted to give you some timelines so that you could stay on top of it. I know as managers, we do a lot of coming up with really good duties and systems that we really should be on top of, but there's only so many hours in a day. So I just want you to concentrate on maybe one or two of the biggest things that you heard in the last episode. And today I'm going to bring it all together. I'm going to incorporate those items along with all the other managerial stuff that you end up getting into. There are a lot of reports that we need to generate, right? There's tons of reports that I could list ad nauseum. And I listened to one seminar where Kathy Jamison outlined something like 20-something systems that her company paid attention to when they go in and consult with an office. Well, I'm not going to try to teach you 20-something systems because as you know from the last episode and also from listening to me anyways, I really focus on revenue and the money part. When I was going to run all of my reports, though, as a new manager, I couldn't pick and choose just one part of the office. My job was to make sure that I had a good idea what was going on in all of the departments. You know, if you're an Eaglesoft user, you have, I think, a million and one reports that you can run. With Open Dental, there's so many that you can run as well. Dentrix has reports in all sorts of different places. And Curve is the same way. CareStack is the same way. My goodness, you could run report for days. And I also know that many of you utilize dashboards. Dashboards are great. However, I've heard it's too much. I only use a part of it. And I think that's actually pretty true for most software. So don't beat yourself up if you've got this wonderful dashboard system and you're not using all of it. Of course, you want to take a look at it and see if it's worth the money. And if it is, if you think it helps, there you go. I talked about two different tools that I use, and that is the managerial calendar and the managerial log. Part of gaining confidence in your job as a manager is knowing when things need to be done, when things should be reviewed, and basically feeling like you're on top of it. Now, some of you, I'm going to run through some of this and you're going to go, I've never even looked at that, or that's really not my thing. I know that's where the guilt comes from because you feel like you should know it. 
It's okay. No one walks into this job and knows everything right away. I want you to take a look at what I bring up that you feel might be a weakness, put a star next to it, and then take some classes, take some webinars, and get up to speed on it. You don't have to be an expert in OSHA. You don't have to be an expert on HIPAA. For crying out loud, I sure wasn't. You don't have to be an expert on billing and collections, but you do have to know what your office's benchmarks are. Now, that comes with a whole different conversation, and I plan on doing another podcast on how to measure your practice up against other practices, because again, I think a lot of people see what's going on on Facebook and think that they're either above or below some of these practices, and honestly, you don't know what's going on in there. So managerial calendar is one tool that I honestly, once I started using it, I could not do without it. I didn't really get on board with this until I would say probably six or seven years into my management career. You know, I was just living off post-it notes. What really helped was I had one dedicated area that not too many people went into. I mean, you could see it, but it was really kind of a pain to get into. I pretty much had everything laid out. So, you know, I would look over in this area and I would remember I have to do this and I have to do this. Well, when you become more of a manager than really just managing the front area, because I know that's how a lot of us start off, when you become more of a whole office manager, oh my goodness, all the extra stuff that comes with it, there's just not enough post-it notes in the world. If you're using a whole pack of post-it notes to write down all of the things you need to do, then that's a sign that you need to get things going. Back in the day, I had a paper calendar. I picked up a paper calendar from Staples or whatever. And along with the scheduling book, this is how old I am. We had the scheduling book, right? Like this is when we actually wrote down appointments and all of that. So new managers, you don't know what you're missing though, because there was a lot of fun with that scheduling book. But anyways, that's a totally different subject. I picked up this calendar and as time went on, instead of just a 12-month calendar, I would pick up this like 18-month calendar. And before I knew it, it was just full of things. So I would go through the calendar and I would write down monthly duties, my weekly duties, odd duties that come out of nowhere. And those are really office specific. Review dates are also something that I would enter into my planner. Now, it wasn't necessarily just employee review. What I was talking about was associate doctor reviews, reviews of contracts. So we'll get into that in just a second. And then licensing and renewal dates. Those are super, super important because, you know, we kind of need our docs and hygienists to have their licenses set. And then, you know, in order to prescribe, we kind of need that DEA license too. Let's go back to the monthly duties. Oh, and by the way, I know you're probably driving or on the treadmill or whatever, but in the links, I will have some samples of these. It's not a full-fledged one. I keep thinking I should come out with one, but honestly, I'm just going to give you the framework. What I would do is figure out what you're going to use for your calendar, whether it's Google Calendar, iCal, perhaps you're just going to use a regular old journal that has a calendar in it, or you could use something like Trello if you've used it before. If you haven't used it before, I don't recommend getting into it. It's not exactly intuitive, but if you have used Trello before, there's a lot of templates out there for calendars, and so you can, you can set up recurring duties on there. What I want you to look at, whatever you decide, is something that you're able to do recurring dates and to set up reminders in there. Now, the problem with having a paper journal is that you're not necessarily going to have those reminders and recurring dates. It was definitely better for me to set it up on a Google Calendar that just worked well for me. And now I have recurring items for the offices all the way through 2040 or however long I want to look forward. 
I don't plan on working by 2040, but you never know, right? Okay, so let's take a look at the monthly duties. So let's break these down. So again, I had monthly duties, weekly duties, odd duties, and review date. For my monthly meetings, I'm going to have my meeting minutes in there. So I'm going to have, of course, a couple meetings a month, maybe one or two, maybe three or four, depending on what you have set up. You might have departmental meetings. Meeting minutes is part of those monthly duties. I'm going to make sure that it's been recorded, not necessarily all of the minutes, because like if you go to big corporate meetings, you know, they record everything. I'm talking about the outline, the highlights of it, because you definitely want to be able to look back as a manager on your meetings and see what was discussed and whether or not there were any action steps that were decided upon as a team. And then that way you can go ahead and keep track of that and make sure people are accountable. Setting up my meetings, making sure that my meeting minutes are recorded. I'm also going to set up some reminders for my reports. Could be your insurance aging, could be your regular aging, it could be your continuing care. Some of your software can set up with this, but from a manager point of view, I want a reminder separate from my software that I need to check on something. It also gives you the ability to gauge whether or not that report is helpful at the frequency that you're running it. I started to realize that a lot of times my treatment plan reports, I didn't necessarily need to run them as frequently as I was. As you get bigger, of course, you might find that you need to run it on a more frequent basis. So same thing for your insurance aging. If you are in the middle of a cleanup, you're definitely going to need to run it more regularly. But when you get it to a point where it's regular, then you can go ahead and calendar your reporting. Now, it doesn't mean that you are going to drop everything that day and run that report, but you definitely need to give yourself a day or two to make sure that that's done. What I really like are the apps that have you make it a task, a recurring task, and you actually can't check it off until it's done. There's one app that I use called AnyDo. It's N-E-A-N-Y dot D-O. And I can put in my recurring tasks and I actually have to click a box to make sure that it's done. So that's something that I use for actually for pretty much everything that I do, personal and professional. So it's been a very helpful app. The other items that I would put into my monthly duties and schedule them out is when I'm going to pay accounts payable. So if you are in charge of the bookkeeping of your office, you want to make sure that you're on a steady routine so that you don't miss any of these deadlines. You know, we'd love it if the bills all came with one deadline so you could do it once a month. But as you know, that's usually not how it works. Once a month, I also want to take a look at my marketing campaign and see how that is working out. Doing it more often than that really doesn't help much. I would love to see once a month where I got my new patients and how many new patients that I got. Did the postcard work this time? Did the local newspaper ad work this time. And if you do this on a regular enough basis, you'll start to see some patterns with that. Seasonal marketing is a thing. You may not do very much business when you sponsor the local football team and it's in the spring. There's definitely ways to gauge how well your marketing is going, but you do need to run this report on a monthly basis so that you can count how many new patients, how many new referrers, and how many patients in general referred to you from carriers. That's something we also have to take into account because if that number goes up or down, it definitely has an impact on your practice. One just aside on this is if you start to get a lot of referrals from one new source, it's really worth it to reach out to that person and thank them personally, whether by phone or a handwritten note. 
when somebody starts to refer people to you, that means they are really, really in love with you at that point. So you want to keep that magic going as long as possible. It's kind of a beautiful thing when top referrers continue to refer. Okay, there's tons of other monthly duties that you can put in there. Every month I usually had a team meeting and then I would have departmental meetings so you can calendar those in. At the beginning of the year, and this is probably another episode, but at the beginning of the year, I had my yearly goals for the practice. And in the monthly duties, I would slug in there, usually it was on the fifth, revisit year goals. And I would take a look at it and see if I was on track or not. So there's a little bit of checking in that goes with that. Now let's get back into the office. Let's go to weekly duties. I am a big fan of doing your billing on a daily basis. But whether you do billing on a daily basis, weekly basis, or monthly basis, I would really love for you to put that in as a weekly duty. That way you can double check whether or not billing has gone out. You want to take a look at your aging report, and this is for your patient statements to see if anybody's moving from 30 days over to 60 days over to 90 days over. You know, you kind of keep track of that. It's worth saying that this is not a complete working of your collections. What this is, is eyeballing it and making sure that you're catching people before they go too far over so that you can get in touch with them and prompt them to pay you. This is your overall picture view of billing. When you have a billing coordinator or when one person is in charge of billing, that becomes a different task. You actually have this person really reaching out to them and managing the collections of it. From a managerial point of view, you're just monitoring the accounts that are moving into a more overdue status. Now, some of you are thinking, uh, well, that's me. I do it all. I get that. Don't even really need to do this because you're working that whole thing as you go. There are definitely calendar duties for different job descriptions. So this is really going to focus just on managerial job duties. I'm also going to take a look at payroll and making sure that I have the data I need for payroll. Some of you are paying every two weeks. Some of you pay twice a month. Part of my spot check with this is checking in on the time clock and making sure that people are actually recording their check-ins and their check-outs. You know, I know that sometimes people don't do it as often as they should. Sometimes it's wrong. Checking that before you sit down to do payroll is much better than catching it, you know, when everybody's gone home and you can't double check. From a managerial point of view, you need to nip this in the bud if they're not clocking in and clocking out regularly. And that's really a big problem. That's, that's actually a disciplinarian issue for me. If people weren't clocking in and clocking out, that was really hard to hold them accountable to uh, their schedule. There's really no reason to not clock in correctly and to not clock out correctly. So when you have somebody who's consistently bad at that, that really gives me a red flag that there's other things going on. I want to get ahead of that before I have to deal with it when it's time to do payroll. Some of the more advanced HR programs will send you reminders if somebody has not checked in or checked out, and that's super helpful as well. For my weekly duties, I'm also going to take a quick look at the deposits. So I know that I have every month, I have my collections and my productions that I'm taking a look at. So every week, I'm just going to take a look at that. I would usually put collections check-in, and then I would run the collections just for that week and put that in there so I was tracking it. Now, I know that you can do this digitally. I get it. That was just me. And then that way, I had an idea of where we were through the month. I know a lot of dashboards have made that obsolete, and, and that's fine. So if you have that capability, use it. So again, it's using the technology in the way that helps you the best. 
These are the issues that I'm going to take a look at on a weekly basis. The other part too, along with payroll is, let's look at the HR side of that, is looking at the schedule, making sure that any requests for scheduling changes have been taken care of and addressed. I know for me, one of the weaknesses I had was people would come at me and tell me, you know, I need this day off. Can I leave early this day? I was always, you know, thinking, oh yeah, I can remember that. And I would say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And then when I sat down, I just realized I can't remember anything anymore. It does get worse as you get older. This is way back before, you know, you would have people send you messengers on the the computer. This is is how old it was. I actually had to create forms where people would put in their requests for time off and, and to stay late or to leave early. So that's something that I want you to take a look at is any accommodations to the schedule for your workers. I need to know that too so that I can make sure to plan ahead, make sure people are going to be covered. Do I need to get a temp? This is something that is a really good idea to take a look at uh, weekly if you have a pretty decent sized team. If it's you and maybe three or four other people, that's not absolutely as important, obviously. But when you start getting into really above five people, you really do need to remember when people are coming and going and whether or not they need vacation. For some reason, it always uh, seems to happen that people want to take vacation around the same time. That's really a problem. As far as scheduling goes, some of you are dealing with two to three different hygienists who are part-time. And so making sure that those hours have not changed. One office I worked with, what would happen is there was a hygiene lead. So there was a lead hygienist and she would get requests for schedule changes from the other hygienists who were reporting into her. Well, her communication with the manager was very hit or miss. As a result, we did have some times where patients were scheduled and there was no hygienist to see them. And as you can imagine, that was pretty problematic. So uh, it did actually take a little bit to fix that problem because there was just a lot of issues there communication was probably the biggest one that eventually would fix everything else once we started getting that communication going. This is where we need to make sure that patients are not going to be impacted and making sure that we have coverage. That's part of being a manager, right? Making sure that we are staffed appropriately. As I talk about the monthly, weekly, and the recurring duties, I'm sure others have popped into your head. So if you need to stop the podcast and write those down, completely understand this is how I would do it. Like I said, I can't remember very many things. It's disconcerting sometimes. Were you able to write down some extra duties that you thought of? Great. Then when you sit down to put these into your calendar, you'll have them spaced out. I'll also say that these types of calendars to set up, it can be time consuming. I would guess you're probably going to sit down once you have all your duties together. You're probably going to sit down and it's maybe 45 minutes to an hour is how much it's going to take for you to make sure that they're all recurring. You've got your notifications and reminders that are set to pop up. Some of you may realize that you can include people on some of these tasks. You know, if you really get good with the calendar, you can start assigning duties and and sending these reminders to their emails. And of course, you want to make sure that they know about this before you do it. Nobody likes unwanted nagging in their email. You got to tell them about it if you're going to do that. The calendar setup is not just really quick. And understand, too, that as you go on, probably that first month or two, you're going to have other things that pop up that you're going to need to stop what you're doing and put it into the calendar or at least write down so that you can make sure to add it into the calendar. It's probably going to take, like I said, about two months for you to get something that really is working for you. 
The real advantage of this is when you go to pass it on to your team member or to your uh, employer. Your employer actually should have access to this calendar. It's very helpful for your employer to know what your timeline is and what you're working on. Making sure that they have access is great, but if you're not there or you need to go on vacation, we all do, right? Then this is something that they can see are people assigned to do this. Can they pick it up while you're out of the office? The goal is that you get this office to a point where you're running it really well and you actually can take a day, two, three off. Here's the issue. If you take a day off and the whole office goes down the tubes, I have to say this very bluntly. I'm not sure the office is being managed very well. A really well-run office should be able to run itself for a little bit of time. And that's not because you're not needed. It's because you've done a great job setting it up. It's more of a testament to your managerial ability rather than a critique. You being able to take a vacation, that's an amazing testament as a manager and being able to come back in and and the world didn't fall apart. I mean, sure, your email is out of control and your mail is actually stacked up at least the office didn't shut down. Let's talk about the odd duties that can be forgotten pretty easily. And this was all of the stuff that I just didn't think about on a daily basis because I had gone out of the clinical world and focusing more on the administrative world. So this is the stuff that usually the staff had to alert me. And that's what I mean when I say it takes about two months to really populate the calendar. Just off the top of my head, medical emergency kit expirations, also getting an inventory of the medications that you keep on stock or whatever it is that you keep on stock, making sure that you review the inventory numbers. I might even put that under my monthly duties, but as a manager, I'm hoping that somebody else is handling inventory other than yourself. That way you can just oversee it, but inventory is a big part of it, then you're definitely going to want to slug that in as a reminder. On the topic of inventory, I'd also put in a reminder, probably quarterly, to have a call with your rep to see if there's been any movement on pricing. Here's the issue that I have found working with hundreds of reps is that if you don't pick up the phone and call and ask for a reduction in pricing, you're not going to get it. It's very rare when a rep is going to pick up the phone and call you for that. If they are, they probably you know, are wanting to make sure that you're secure as a customer or there's a promotion that they want to push out. But on a regular basis, asking for a reduction in your disposables, say, they're not really going to call around and offer that to you. So you have to do this. It's a part of advocating for your practice. Double checking inventory, taking a look at your, what your pricing list is and, and knowing uh, how to negotiate. And even better, if somebody else on your team is able to do that, I'm happy to just make that a recurring item where I just overlook it. It's much better for somebody else to do that. Then you have x-ray certification, the machines, they all need to be inspected. If you have these badges, you need to make sure that they get uh, reordered. Those are the radiation detection badges. There's lots of equipment that they use in the back that needs to have scheduled maintenance that's done on them. I would absolutely make sure that your compressor or compressors, if you have a backup, are serviced at least once a year. That is not what you want to have go down. Same thing with your autoclave or your statum. You want to make sure that that is ready to go. We're going to take a look at your pricing for the toothpaste, the toothbrushes, all of that. Remember, those are typically on recurring contracts where they you basically are paying for them. You don't think about it. And it's probably been that way for 10, 15 years. You need to make sure that you're getting the best price. 
Are there new bundles that are added? Are there new toothbrushes that are better than what you're offering now? So those always need to be revisited. What about scheduling your CPR? Once a year, you need to put that in. What about scheduling any of the promotions? You know, the marketing calendar by itself is a whole different episode. And I know Rita Zamora is going to be on the podcast. She's going to talk about that. Plan out your promotions, 4th of July promotion for the Thanksgiving month. You can do a ham bowling or a turkey bowling in the parking lot. I know some offices have some fun with that. Coat drives for the holidays. Those are all really good things to put into the calendar because you're going to forget and you need to plan ahead for that. Some of you are still doing the holiday cards. I I think those are great. And those also, you take time. The big push for card companies is that they want you to order as far ahead as possible so that you can get the super, super low pricing. And depending on whether or not that's important to you, you'll want to make sure that you start looking for that. This is something that's odd, but every two years, uh, we had it in the calendar to take a look at our forms, our new patient folders, and our website. Anything that a new patient would look at, we wanted to evaluate that every two years. Now, I will say that I would probably move that to once a year now. The technology, the times that we're in have made that change. With COVID, people are definitely wanting to do more digitally. All of the studies point to that. Patients will definitely prefer communicating with you for the first time digitally versus picking up the phone and calling. So the way you are viewed online probably needs to be looked at. Every two years, this is just where we are. I would say every year, at least take a look at everything. Maybe you need to get fresh pictures for your website. You know, sometimes we take pictures that are like three years old. It's not going to hurt you once a year. Put it in your calendar. Take new pictures of the area. Maybe then that'll get you thinking about possibly redecorating or, you know, just making it look more welcoming. So under this odd duties, you can see there's an awful lot of stuff there. I also would probably throw CE into this and you would want to pull the team on this. What kind of CE are we looking for this year? And then you would be able to keep an eye out for that. Making sure that you are checking in with your doctors and your hygienists, your licensed people. And if your dental assistants have certification, think about all the other duties that are there. You know, taking a look at your uh, Sharps disposable, making sure that you're getting the right price for that. One important tip here is to check in with your credit card processing company to make sure that you're getting the right pricing for that. Those rates change all of the time. Doing this only once a year is the minimum. I would actually do it, I think, a little bit more frequently. We were looking about every three or four months and just double checking. We had a rep we worked with and you'd be surprised that even in four or five months, the rates will change and they can be more favorable to you. So if you think about all of the credit card processing that you do, you know, most of your patient balances are paid off using credit cards nowadays, and you don't want to give up more money than you need to. I'm sure other things will come up under odd duties. You probably will fill this category up by itself. Don't be afraid, though, to add in, even if it's a silly, silly task, like, for example, picking out cards. These are the things that you don't want to go, oh, I should have done that months ago. That's what I'm talking about. Those are those odd duties that we need to make sure that we're tracking. Okay, the next category that I would make sure to have is review dates. So let's talk about the HR side of this. And again, I know this could be a podcast on its own, but from a high level, I want to decide when I'm going to do annual reviews. Now, I'm a big fan of not doing them when we do the end of the year. 
I never tie any raises or bonuses to the review date. So if I'm going to give any bonuses or pay raises, it's always going to be in the first quarter of the year because I'm going to have to take a look at how we did last year profitability-wise and see if the office can actually afford to give raises this year. So if I give you a really good review, say in September, and you're thinking, okay, great, I'm going to get a raise, what I would say to you as a manager is, based on the practice's performance, I'm going to recommend that you get a raise. We're going to have to make sure that we are able to afford it. Raises are not given out until the first quarter of the next year. But I want you to know that this review that we've had has been great, and I am going to recommend that you get a raise. Do you have any input? I would then hope that you would give me a dollar amount or some preferences. And this is when you would probably work really closely with your CPA on this to make sure that your overhead is not going to go through the roof. That's why we wait for the first quarter so that taxes are done and we can really take a look at profitability. So I'm going to slug in a few things. So I'm going to decide when I'm going to do reviews. And you have a lot of employees, right? So say you want to start reviews in the summer, you would maybe do two a week, but you've got to make sure that you slug those in. Go ahead and put those together. And then what I would do is three months before that, see how the recurring notifications are very helpful. What I would do is three months prior to that, I would make myself a note, Jean's review is in three months. And then I would know to go in there and leave myself some notes or check the managerial log, which we'll talk about in a second. And I would be able to recall some instances. That way, when we go to the date of the actual review, I'm not just thinking back on, you know, how was performance? You're only going to remember the most recent events. I mean, unless you're keeping a real detailed log or you have some write-ups that you've had to make. You want to be as prepared for this review. You owe that to the employee, right? To be honest and comprehensive on your review, but you have to remind yourself to do that. That's part of the review dates. Now, associate doctors, you may or may not be involved in that depending on uh, your managerial level and whether or not the doctor is comfortable with you doing that. But if you're not, this is where you want to put in reminders for your doctor or owner doctor to be the one to make these decisions and gather their notes. If you are involved in this, or perhaps you're the one doing this, then it's really no different than reviewing your notes for an employee annual review. Then you have to make sure that you block off some time for yourself to actually sit and do the reviews. Please don't wait until the day before the review to write up everything You owe it to your employees to really be thorough so that you can give them good feedback and you can perhaps come up with some projects for them so that they have goals for the next review. Three weeks before their review, I give them a blank copy of their review and I ask them to take a look at it and perhaps make notes or fill it out as they want to. And if they want to give me a copy of that ahead of time, that's great. Or they can bring it to the review so there's some back and forth. Perhaps I'm not remembering a big project that they worked on, and I don't want them to remember that when they're driving home after the review. I I want them to think about it and come into the review. You know, if they really think they've done a good job, I want to hear that because if for some reason I miss that and I I don't acknowledge it, then what are we going to have? We're going to have a resentful employee on our hands. So it's it's a win-win to have both parties coming into this with all of their, I guess, ammunition or all of their information. I also, as part of review dates, I'm going to take a look at any contracts that I have with my associate docs. And if you have long-term contracts with employees that are not typical employee contracts, perhaps you have a different type of contract for your hygienist. But any of the, the legal employment contracts that are not your standard, I'm going to take a look at those too. 
And that really is working with a lawyer to make sure that you're planning things out. As an example, some of your associate doctors come in with contracts that are uh, step contracts, meaning step one, it's going to be this compensation. Step two, based on goals, it'll be this compensation. And so you'll just need to go down the road with that. Also, my insurance contracts will need to be reviewed. Uh, You didn't think I was going to forget about that. This is actually a yearly review. I take a look at the different contracts and make sure that I have everything I need, that I'm not uh, missing any clauses that they may have added. And that's, again, part of my advanced uh, insurance trainings that I offer. But basically, I'm making sure that the contracts still work. I'm going to take a look at the fee schedules. You know, have they not raised in any time? I need to take a look at that. But I don't do it all at one time because that really gets very overwhelming. You'll want to choose one month for, say, Delta, one month for United Concordia and go down the line and make that a recurring on a yearly basis so that you can take a look at your participation with these plans, not just uh, take a look at and go, gosh, they suck or, oh, this hasn't been so bad. I want you to really take a look at it, meaning running your numbers and talking to your billing team and seeing if there's been any issues with that. One other odd duty that I can throw in there is meeting with your onboarded employees. Say you have a new employee that comes on board. I would go into the calendar and slug in, you know, usually we do 90 days for a temporary basis. I would at the 30-day mark, 45-day mark, 60-day mark, schedule check-ins with Sally. And I would know that that means I just need to find Sally in the hallway or in the lounge and just say, hey, everything okay? Everything going all right? You may already be the type of manager that does that, but maybe you get busy or maybe you're not the type of manager that does that. And so this is a good reminder for you. I don't want to lose somebody in the transitional period. However, they need to go, they need to go. But what I don't want is for somebody to make it through the transitional period and there were signs that they were terrible and I just didn't get a chance to get around to it. And now, you know, it's a lot harder to get rid of them. And then the other parts that I would make sure are on these calendars is when are the renewal dates for your licenses and your DEA. And I always do a month ahead so that I make sure that it's all set. You'll also want to make sure that your credentialing for your insurance contracts, that that's up to speed too. And that's also something that you can utilize a service for. There's CAQH. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Or you could just pull out the old Excel spreadsheet like many of us do and track it that way. That's the high-level view of the managerial calendar. Now let's talk about this managerial log. My managerial log, it was a journal. It was a spiral notebook. You know, thinking back, it wasn't the most secure, but, you know, it was near me all of the time. So I'm pretty sure nobody, you know, stole it and looked through it. But today, I probably would make sure that it's an online document that's password protected, and there's lots of ways to do that. Or it would be a notebook that was definitely in a locked drawer or kept with me at all times. It's another thing to have people know that you write down all your thoughts in this. But if it's a notebook that's small enough, and unfortunately, we do have people who deal not just wallets, but also important stuff like that. I would rather make sure that it's digital so that I can have it backed up a couple different places, making sure that it's accessible, but also safe. That's my managerial log. And really, you should look at this as is nothing seriously fancy. It's just a big document where you're writing down some reminders. They're not necessarily to-dos or anything that needs to be tracked using the calendar, but they're little things that you want to work on. When I had my journal, when you open up the front cover, nothing was written on the inside of the cover except big tasks. Like, 
I remember one year we planned to onboard an associate dentist. That was one of the big tasks. The other side of that was I wanted to overhaul the inventory for the second office that we had. So those are my big goals. And usually those were determined, you know, at the front of the year, if they were a big enough project, you know, I'd stick them on there. And the reason being is that every now and then I would flip back to that and make sure that I hadn't taken my eye off the ball. We get involved with so many things that some of the biggest issues that we really have wanted to fix, sometimes they seem less important because other things are on fire and you need to fix them. And then year one turns into year two and year three. And then finally you hire somebody and they say, oh, I can handle that. And you go, thank God, I've been wanting to fix this system for four years. And, you know, that's why I started writing this stuff down so I could refer to it and hopefully not see that. My managerial log, first of all, it had interactions with employees, not necessarily a diary, but anything I needed to really pay attention to. And it would remind me to take a look at it. And I was the kind of person who would look back on the logs. I should probably say that if you're not used to looking back at notes, this may not help you unless you start using reminders. And in that case, the calendar would probably be better. I'll give you an example. There was one employee that we had, we'll just call her Jennifer. She was starting to show some issues with showing up late and she was exemplary for so long. So it was just really strange that all of a sudden this was happening. And I remember writing in there, you know, this is four times in a row that she's been within 15 minutes late, talked to her. And I remember I put question marks there, you know, should I talk to her? And I ended up going and talking to her and there were a lot of issues at home. She was actually going through a rough patch in her marriage and wasn't even sure if she was going to have a marriage. And I didn't act as a counselor. That's not my job. But I let her know that if there were going to be issues that I would appreciate knowing about it so that maybe I can take some of the burden off or I can shift hours, whatever it is. I remember looking at this and thinking, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this now. I can't keep putting this off because it kept showing up in my log. And I would also, before the 90 days is up for any new employee, this is where I would make a note of my interactions because our permanent employees, if we have serious discussions, I would say disciplinarian discussions, there's forms you have to fill out, there's documents they have to acknowledge, blah, blah, blah. You know, you have all of that HR, the laws and regulations you have to deal with. For my 90 days, my temporary employees, I didn't need to be so formal with that, but I wanted to make sure that I was tracking it myself. And anything that really you didn't think belonged in any kind of disciplinary record for both permanent and temporary, this is where I would keep it. I also wanted to keep track of any concerns that were raised by patients. And these I always gave myself a follow-up date. Here's what I mean by that. When a patient complains about an employee, I mean, we're always going to have some grumpy people, but you have to pay attention to those concerns that are starting to recur. That's what I mean. So you're going to need to maybe put a note there and say, does this come up again? And then that's when you know that you can bring it up to your employer or your owner doc. And maybe that's something that you'll need to address as a team or have a meeting about. Also, if it's a concern that's not necessarily directed at an employee, That's something that you'd want to write down and maybe take notes to put onto the next meeting. Anything that you see about any company you're thinking about using. A lot of us are on these groups where people talk about, well, this company sucks and this company sucks. And you're thinking, that sucks. I was really looking forward to using that company. If you're digital, you can just take a screenshot of that and put it into your document. And then that way you can remember This is what happens. You'll say, you know, I really like that company, but I think somebody was complaining about this and this. And this way you have 
a little bit of a paper trail or a digital trail that you can go back and look at. Also, sometimes we see companies that somebody's raving about them and you're like, wow, I need to look into this. Screenshot that and put that into your log as well. Some of the best companies I've worked with, I remember seeing them maybe once or twice here and then they pop up later. I'm like, oh yeah, I meant to look into that. Well, I could have been using them a long time ago if I only remembered. Any concerns that you yourself have about the practice need to go into this. Remember, this is private. You might start to see things that you don't necessarily agree with. Most of the time, managers and doctors, owner doctors, they're in sync. They have the same philosophy and that's why it works so well. But there can be times that it's not in sync. And this is really for those times. I want you to make sure that you're comfortable in the job that you're in. But if you see things that are not comfortable, that are awkward, or that you think are borderline as far as ethical or illegal, I would make sure that you document this. Here is why. If for some reason you are pulled into this, and let's just bring up uh, insurance fraud. Let's talk insurance fraud. If for some reason the doctor is, you know, part of this, you want to make sure that you write down any of the issues that you had, any conversations you had objecting to it or suggesting changes. Because if for some reason you are named in any actions, this will be what helps you out. Lots of people that have taken my class will tell me that they tried to take action against me, but I actually had notes from meetings that I had saying this is insurance fraud. Any concerns about the practice? Perhaps you have a concern about a hygienist that maybe you think that it's not working out, or maybe they're doing something that you don't agree with. Perhaps they're going a little bit outside of the scope of their practice. You see where I'm going with this. Any concerns about the practice? And one other consideration is that not all of you work the exact same hours as your dentist, or perhaps your dentist is super busy and you're not actually able to meet on a regular basis daily. It's just more high by, you know, when you do finally get to meeting with them, these are the issues. You're going to look back to your log and you're going to remember, okay, I want to go over this, this, and this. So it is very helpful to have something that's just your own rather than post-it notes and little notes that we leave on the software in various places. They do need to be private because you need to be able to record anything that would protect you or the practice and making sure that that's not really open to the public. I also want you on your main calendar to schedule in meetings with the owner or the owner doctor regarding practice goals. This is typically a yearly meeting between the powers that be, right? The manager and the owner doctor. You're going to have to go into that meeting armed and this managerial log helps you keep track of that. You also can make note of the goals that you set for yourself or perhaps you've been given goals and this is something that you can use to track that. Many corporations have public dashboards of your collections, your productions, your goals. So really your progress is measured publicly. Perhaps you would like to keep track of some of the smaller steps that you want to investigate. Maybe you see that this month the numbers are off by a certain amount and you want to make sure that you don't forget to go back in and take a look at that. Managerial log can be as thin or as thick as you make it. Mine, as I think yours will, it grew over time and became full of more and more uh, little things about the practice. And the real payoff for me was around the two or three year mark when I was using this document. What had happened is I had gone from journal to digital, right? So I was going back through my old journals because I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose anything. You know, I wanted to transfer it over anything that was outstanding. And it really helped me to see how much I've accomplished as a manager and really helped me to see the stuff that 
I didn't accomplish. And it made me realize I didn't accomplish this because I hate it. That was one of those eye-opening signs where if I kept putting something off and I hated it so much that we just didn't get to it, that's perfect for outsourcing or enlisting some help. Because let's face it, if you hate it, you're really not going to get it done or you're going to get it done and you're going to really resent the time that you spent. That was very helpful, but it also helped me to track my growth as a manager, which really sometimes we need that. And as part of this whole conversation that we've had with managerial guilt and thinking that you're not enough, when you start to see how much you've done, you start to realize that you are enough. You're sometimes more than enough. There's always areas that you can learn and and improve in, but for the most part, I'm going to bet many of you have done a pretty decent job and looking at it retrospectively really brings things into focus. I'm going to end with just going over how to keep yourself accountable. Let's talk about accountability partners. If you're part of an ADOM chapter, I would love it if you brought it up to the chapter membership and just say, hey, I'd like to start an accountability group, maybe three or four of you. I wouldn't do more than that. It gets a little bit busy. You all get together and you have goals once a quarter. You go over these goals, not every chapter meeting, but once a quarter. And it may not even be at the chapter meeting. You may just want to do this via Zoom. A lot of us are really good friends with people in our chapter, so that might be something to do. You have to make sure, though, that it doesn't devolve into all sorts of just fun and personal stuff. This is a really on task meeting. So you make sure that everybody knows your goals. And the people that I know that are doing this, they have an online document that they all can share. And every quarter they list their goals. And then if they didn't meet it, there's no judgment. But what it is, is how can I help you to meet that? No judgment, but there has to be permission given that if somebody is consistently not meeting their goals, that there needs to be a call out on that. And let's forget goals for a second. How can we help you stay on task? That really is the beauty of having an accountability partner, the no judgment piece, the how do I help you, and then the celebration, of course, when you get to uh, the finish line for that quarter. There are also business coaches out there that will help you with this, and that's very common in corporate America. You might have somebody that you meet with on a regular basis to keep track of what you are on top of and then making sure that you have the resources for it, whether it's recommendations. Maybe you have an idea you just want to throw against the wall and see what they think about it. That's something that is out there. There's certainly several dental coaches that do that. I've done that a lot with lots of office managers and dental spouses who are office managers too. We would have, you know, monthly meetings. There would be that support, you know, you tell me this goal, let's make sure that you get there. And then once a year, you can take a look at everything and and make sure that you're on track. It's not going to be comprehensive. This is more like making sure that you're staying on track. The other part of this is if you're not part of an ADOM chapter, reach out to some managers in your area and come up with a mastermind. What I really love about masterminds, it's not necessarily you setting the agenda. Okay, so a mastermind, the way it works, typically, there will be a schedule of meetings and each meeting will have one topic. It's not led or driven by your goals. It's driven by the topic. So once a month, you may discuss what's new in marketing. What's more fun to discuss is what's not working in marketing. The key to masterminds is you don't want to choose managers who are near you, your state is fine, but in your city, no. You want to have people in different geographical areas so that you can see what works for them and maybe get an idea 
on whether or not it works. You want to have sort of similar demographics. And then each month, you'll have a topic that you attack and you get ideas from. When you have individual accountability partners, it's driven by your goals. Masterminds are really driven by topics. And that way, everybody can learn from each other. Business Coach is personalized one-on-one. So there's lots of ways to stay on top of all of your recurring items. The last thing I want to say as I wrap up this big discussion about managerial guilt, whether or not you are able to get all of this done, I just want to congratulate you for realizing that something has to change in your habits. And that's really the first step. If you have iTunes or any podcast app, feel free to leave me a rating or a review. And I know this is in the show notes, but I just want to make sure that you know that if you haven't grabbed a copy of the ebook that's completely free, it's 50 pages plus, I have as my section the insurance coordinator and it has their whole outline of what they do, calendars and forms and all of that. I hope that that will be very, very helpful for you. All right. Until the next episode, I always want you to know how much it means to me that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.